Good evening, saints. Welcome to our weekly Bible study. Tonight, we would like to start by uh, singing hymn number 499. Christ shall in me be magnified, in nothing Amen. shall I be the same. 
for you all shall be applied. Amen. 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 Nothing like treasure, no all desire, but Christ of all inclusiveness. Amen. Amen. Divine in our whole being in rod shall be. Amen. 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 Oh, what a prize. Amen. Oh, what a gain. Amen. Amen. Nothing no desire, but Christ of inclusiveness. My hope, my glory, and my crown is Christ, one of fearlessness. Amen. 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 Oh, what a joy. Oh, what a rest. Christ now is being formed in me. His very nature and life divine. In my own, it shall be. All that an came to an end, and Amen. all of Christ is all to me. Amen. Amen. Oh, what a cross. What a life. Oh, what a peace. Amen. 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 With him I have been crucified. Amen. Glorious to me he gives. Amen. Amen. that live. Amen. Amen. Now it's no longer I that live, but Christ the Lord within me lives. All that I am came to an end, and the end of Christ is all to me. Amen. 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 Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus. Amen. I just appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Who this, who this wonderful Christ is. And, Amen. Uh, and it's so wonderful that we no longer just have a Christ who's outside of us, but he lives in us. Amen. 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 Actually, this Christ is now a prize. We have gained such a Christ. And tonight, what a joy. We could be released from so many goals. And Christ would be the goal toward which we press tonight. I really, I really appreciated that. That tonight we can be up, uh, pursuing Christ. Um, nothing else is a treasure. Nothing else is worth a while except this Christ. So I, I just really appreciated that we could be uh, pursuing him as our goal. And he's more valuable than anything to us. He's our hope. He's our glory. And even our very crown. Praise the Lord for such a Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, maybe what we could do is sing this song again. But wherever we are, I would encourage you. Uh, do your best to open your mouth 
and give this Christ the first place. Uh, nothing else is more valuable, but tonight we would just sing and touch the Lord. Thank you, brother. glory and our crown is Christ, the one of peerlessness. Amen. 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 Oh, what a prize. What a day. Christ is the goal toward which we press. Amen. 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 
Amen. Amen. Nothing we treasure. Not all desire. But all inclusiveness. Our hope, our glory, and our crown. Is this Christ the one of peerlessness? Amen. For he in all shall be now what a life Amen. Oh, what a peace that Christ Amen. who's all within me loves with Amen. him I've been Amen. this glorious fact to me he gives Amen Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. the Lord signs let's Amen. let's come to uh, our Bible reading tonight so tonight we'll be Amen. in Luke chapter 7. Amen. From verse 1 to verse 50. So it's the whole chapter. Amen. So, um, brothers and sisters, tonight, this portion, um, I like this little bit where it said in verse 16, uh, after raising the, the widow's son, then, then it says that fear uh, took hold of all and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has been raised up among us and God has visited his people. So may this be our experience tonight, that we have God visiting us, that we would have his presence among us, that we would really have the sense that we're not just here for a Bible study. We're not just here to um, gain some knowledge or understand what is in God's word, which is good, but we are here to have God's face shine on us. We are here to really have God be among us. So even though we're on Zoom, um, we can't see one another necessarily physically, but praise the Lord, we can still be together in this way. Um, the Lord has made such a provision for us. And so we can uh, still receive something of God's dispensing into us tonight. Okay, so um, I'm going to cover these first um, three matters in uh, Luke chapter 7. That is the healing of the uh, centurion's slave when the Lord uh, cured him. That is the raising up of the widow's dead son and also the matter of uh, John the Baptist that was uh, that sent his disciples to speak to the Lord. 
So in these um, three sections, actually, they seem to be not so much related to one another. But when we come to the section in John about John the Baptist, we'll see that these three sections are, are very, very much related to one another. Okay, so so there's a definite, uh, um, there's a reason why Luke put these three together. Okay, so uh, let's begin with verse 1, where the Lord uh, goes into Capernaum. And then there's the centurion that comes to him, or that, that sends some to him. Um, when he heard about Jesus, he sent to him some elders of the Jews, requesting that he would come and completely heal his slave. So this centurion, the centurion is one who is over a hundred, right? That's what this word century means, right? So he was uh, a Roman soldier and he was placed in a position of authority, like he says later. And he had the position where he was over some others, okay? Over a hundred. Now this centurion actually signifies the Gentile believers who are saved through believing into the Lord, who are saved through faith. Okay, so the centurion, he hears about the Lord, and then he sends some elders to go and speak to the Lord and request something of him. And so in verse 4, they come, and they come to Jesus. They entreated him earnestly, saying, he is worthy of your granting this to him. So this centurion, he knew, he knew about the Jewish um, uh, nation, of course, he was staying there, but, but he knew more than just um, some superficial things, for in uh, verse 5, it says, for he loves our nation, and he himself built the synagogue for us. Okay, so he, he definitely had some more than just okay i'm working here this is where i'm placed as a soldier or something but he knew the jewish nation and he really cared for them to such a degree that he built them a synagogue where he stayed so they they had a they had a lot of the the the, the elders had some feeling for this one so they come to the lord they request this of the lord okay then jesus went with them but already when he was not far from the house the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not fit for you to enter under my roof. Okay? Therefore, I do, did not count even myself worthy to come to you, but speak a word and let my servant be healed. Then in verse 8, he says, For I also am a man set under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Okay, so the centurion, he heard about Jesus, so he sends the elders. But then as the Lord is approaching, he sends his, his friends, and he tells the Lord, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come into my house. I'm not worthy even myself to come to you. So I'm sending my friends because I recognize that you are the Lord. Okay, that is quite something. This centurion, he knew about the Jewish nation. He knew the Jewish nation to some degree. So maybe he had heard about the prophecies of, of 
of the Savior coming. He calls Jesus the Lord. This is quite something, brothers and sisters, that this centurion would have the, 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 what, how do we say this? That he would have the kind of the insight to recognize that this man, Jesus Christ, is the Lord. Okay? He says to him, I also am a man under authority. Lord, I know what authority is. I know what it is to be under someone. I can, I, I, I have some above me who give me instructions, but I also know how to what it is like for others to be under me. So you, he recognizes this man, Jesus, he is the authority. I'm a man of authority. I also am a man set under authority. I also am under authority. But you are the Lord. And I recognize, he recognized that in his word, there is some authority. So he can say to one, come, and he comes. And to this day, do this, and he does it. To one, he says, go, and he goes. So he recognizes, because he is a man under authority and a man in authority, he's able to speak a word of authority. So now he says to the Lord, Lord, you don't even need to come here. Because I recognize that you are the authority of the universe. In verse 9, we see the Lord Jesus, when he heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd following him and said, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. This is quite something. Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm kind of learning what faith is. And I realize that often I have the mistaken concept that faith is a matter of hope. I, 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 maybe if I was in the centurion's position, I hope that the Lord would heal my slave. But that's not what the centurion says. He says, no, he recognizes that if this man is the Lord, he recognizes that Jesus is the Lord. And he realizes that in the word, the authority is being carried out. So he tells the Lord, Lord, you don't even need to come. Even I am not worthy to come to you. I'm not worthy to approach the one who has the authority in the universe. So if you just speak a word, that word carries the very authority of the universe that will heal my slave. You just have to speak a word. Faith is not based on hope, but our faith, brothers and sisters, is based on God's word. This centurion recognized that God simply speaks a word and it will happen. It's not that there's a kind of a, you just, Lord, you just speak a word. You are the authority. Whatever you speak comes into being. So he, so he just recognizes what authority is. The fact that he is a man under authority and that he has some under him, he realizes he has a, he has a, a, a almost as he has a, an understanding 
of this matter of God's word. So he can tell the Lord, Lord, you just speak. Your word will carry out this authority. Your word will bring with it, will execute your authority. What faith? Brothers and sisters, this is faith. Recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. Recognizing Jesus as the Lord. And then acknowledging that he simply speaks a word. He speaks a word, brothers and sisters, and, and it will happen. It will be according to God's word. This is the Lord's authority. And this centurion recognized this. So that's why the Lord marveled at his faith. Okay, so then in verse 10 it says, And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. So in this portion, again, we see the Lord's compassion. Even though he is the Lord of the universe, he's willing to reach this Gentile. He's willing to go. He's willing to go out of his way. He sends the elders. He's, he just goes. Isn't that quite something? How the Lord, he has this, this care, this compassion, even for this Gentile. Doesn't that remind you of the Lord coming to us? We're just Gentiles. We're not worthy of the Lord coming to us, but yet he goes out of his way to reach us. And then, of course, his divine attributes gets expressed through his human virtues in him healing the centurion's slave. Okay, now in the second section, with the woman, him showing pity on this uh, widow. So now he goes into a city called Nine, and his disciples went with him. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, one who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Okay, this woman must have been very distraught at this time. She is a widow, she had lost her husband, and now she's losing her only son. So she is probably in a very kind of maybe a hopeless situation or she she's in a very desperate situation what is the lord's response and when the lord saw her he was moved with compassion for her and said to her do not weep so here we see the lord again no one asked him lord please the disciples were like maybe the lord should show compassion to this widow no the Lord, his human virtues just comes forth, right? Here is the Lord Jesus. He's walking past and he just has compassion on this woman. He just has compassion on, on what she must be going through. Okay, so what does the Lord do? He touched the beer and those carrying it stood still. And he said to the young man, to you I say, arise. What compassion and mercy the Lord expressed here and love towards this woman. Stopping the beer. Telling them to stop. They stand still and then he speaks a word. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And he gave him to his mother. So here again, we see, well, with the centurion, the slave gets healed the, through the Lord's authority. 
here we see the Lord expressing compassion in, in, in reaching out to this woman. But in both of these cases, actually, we also see the Lord's authority, right? On the one hand, he showed authority by speaking a word to the centurion slave to be healed. But yeah, he again speaks a word, arise. So again, you see the Lord's, not only his human virtues, but even his divine attributes that's being expressed through him speaking. Okay, so then in verse 16, it says, And fear took hold of all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has been raised up among us, and God has visited his people. Praise the Lord. This is, this is what's going around, okay? In chapter 4, we saw the Lord reading in Isaiah that this is the year of the Jubilee. Okay, so now we come to the last of oh, the, the third section from verse 18 to verse 35. And so John's disciples, I don't know what their what their situation was, but maybe they were looking at this, they seeing the centurion being helped, the, the widow being helped. And so they go to report this to John. Okay, now in 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 chapter three, we saw that John was arrested. Right, because he 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 spoke to Herodias, or yeah, anyway, concerning what he had done. And so he he had John locked up. And now John's disciples are maybe they're thinking, like, Lord, but you 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 you're doing all these things, but what about John? There is John in the prison, okay? Maybe John I, John is also thinking this, okay. At least if his disciples not thinking this, he's thinking this. John called a certain two of his disciples to him and said to them, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the coming one, or should we expect another? Okay. Now, do you think that John really doubted whether Jesus was the Lord? I just want to read you some verses in, in John. Uh, in John. Uh, chapter 1. Verse 26. He says. Um, and John answered them saying. I baptize in water. But among you stands one. Whom, whom you do not know. He is coming after me. The thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So do you think John didn't know who, who Jesus was? Okay. Uh, this is he of whom I said, A man is coming after me who has become ahead of me because he was before me. Okay. Then John testifies in verse 32, saying, I beheld the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he abode upon him. And I did not know him, but he who sent me baptized to baptize in water, he said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and abiding upon him, this is he who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. Okay. So now let's go back to Luke. Okay. So so I believe we, we're quite clear now, right? John is quite clear. 
that John the Baptist is quite clear that Jesus is the coming one. But John is in prison. Lord, you came to proclaim the jubilee. You came to proclaim release for the captives. You, 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 uh, you heal the centurion's uh, slave. You heal the widow's son. But what about me, Lord? You, I, I'm, I'm, surely, Lord, are you the coming one? So actually, what's happening here, then in verse 20, they, the, the disciples go to the Lord, and the men came to him and said, to, said, John the Baptist sent us to you, saying, are you the coming one, or should we expect another? Okay, so John, he's trying to almost, he's trying to twist the Lord's arm, you can say. He's trying to find a way, Lord. You, he's trying to, um, to find a way to almost manipulate the Lord to do for him what he expects of the Lord to do for him. Okay, so John has an expectation. So he's 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 asking the Lord, Lord, are you the coming one? Lord, should we expect another one? Surely, if you, if you were the coming one, if you are the coming one, well, why am I here? Okay. In that hour, verse 21, many, he healed many from diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And many who were blind, he graciously gave sight. Okay, in verse 22, here's the Lord's response. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised. The poor have the gospel announced to them. So the blind... That's referring to those who are spiritually blind, who, whose eyes are opened up. In Acts chapter 26, Paul says that I've come, I, I've, I've come to announce, to, to, to bring many. Um, oh, let me just get that verse. It's in uh, Acts chapter 26. Um, uh, And to open their eyes, verse 18, and turn them from darkness to light. This is what Paul came to announce. This is the gospel. This is what's coming, is opening the eyes of those who are under the blindness of Satan. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul talks about how the, the the God of this age has blinded the thoughts of the unbelievers that the illumination of the glory of God might not shine on them. So this is what Satan does. He's blinding us. But here the Lord has come and he's given sight to the blind, the lame, those who cannot walk in God's way, those who cannot take the narrow path. He's come to, to the lame walk. He's come to give us the strength to walk. The lepers are cleansed. 
we saw in chapter 5 that the Lord came to cleanse the lepers. Then leprosy comes from rebellion, right? And, 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 and disobedience. We saw with Miriam, even with Naaman, Na Na Naaman, Naaman, when he got healed, it was through obedience. So the Lord cleanses us from our, from our rebellion against God. Okay, the deaf hear, those who are blind, those who are who can't hear, um, those who can't hear the speaking of the Spirit. The Lord gives us hearing. The dead are raised up. Wow, brothers and sisters, we were once dead in our offenses and sins. Here the Lord is coming and He's He's He's, he's giving us life. The poor have, have the gospel announced to them. They, those who, who are poor, those who have nothing, they become rich. In, in Ephesians 3, Paul says, I announce the riches, the unsearchable riches of Christ as the gospel. This is the gospel, is the unsearchable riches of Christ. This is what God is bringing, okay? This is what is happening when Jesus comes, okay? Okay, but now, in verse 23, it says, And blessed is he who is not stumbled because of me. Okay, so now, the Lord, in this word, John is he's, he's at the point of being stumbled. Okay, because, and the Lord recognizes this. He realizes John has an expectation. John has something that he wants the Lord to do for him. Are you the coming one? Are you the, are you, the, should we expect another? He's trying to, to get the Lord to do what he has an expectation of the Lord. The expectation that he has of God. That expectation is kind of, you know, it's it's within him. And so he contests the Lord. He sends some to speak to the Lord. Then the Lord says, blessed is he who is not stumbled because of me. So the Lord realizes John is at this point. So he strengthens and encourages his forerunner. Through this word, I believe the Lord strengthened John to be martyred, to go through with his martyrdom to be strengthened, to finish the course that God has prepared for him. Um, I was thinking of Brother Watchman Nee, who in 1952, he was arrested and he was put into prison because he, he proclaimed Jesus as the gospel, because he, he, he would not conform but he would not let go of his faith. And so he was put into prison in 1952. For 20 years, it's almost like the Lord would do nothing for him. For 20 years, the Lord, in a way, just put him aside, just left him there until he even passed away in prison in 1972. So for 20 years, Seemingly, the Lord did nothing for our brother watchman. But brothers and sisters, 
I believe that his testimony at the end of that time was, I have maintained my joy. It's almost like Paul, right? He's in prison. And what does he say? I have, I have found the secret. I have found the secret. In uh, Philippians chapter 4. Um, In verse 12, uh, let me read verse 11 also. Not that I speak according to lack, for I've learned in whatever circumstances I am to be content. I know also how to be abased, and I know how to abound. In everything and in all things, I have learned the secret, both to be filled and to hunger, both to abound and to lack. Okay. Then he says, I'm able to do all things in him who empowers me. I hope this word will, will really encourage us also, saints. Blessed is he who is not stumbled because of me. The Lord has come to open the eyes of the blind, to give the lame the strength to walk on the narrow path. He has cleansed us from our leprosy and our rebellion. He has caused our ears to be open to hear his speaking. We are, we are raised from our spiritual deadness. We're dead in our offenses and sins. We were poor we were without God. We were in the world. We had no hope in Ephesians 2. But now he announces the gospel to us. He comes as the jubilee to announce the gospel to us. But what does he do for us? What does he empower us to do all things? You know what he empowers us to do all things? In Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, uh, my expectation and hope, according to my expectation and hope, but I know that this will turn out to my salvation. Um, I'm back in this chapter two. Um, verse 19 in chapter one. For I know that this will turn out to my salvation through your petition and the bountiful supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I will be put to shame. But with all boldness, as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. So, Lord, you release me from prison. Praise the Lord. May you be magnified. I can do all things. I've learned the secret, both to be in prison, both to abound, both to lack, both to hunger and, and be filled. I've learned the secret. I have learned that it is blessed not to be stumbled by the Lord, according to what we're expecting of him. Okay, let me just finish off here. So then the messengers of John went away, and now the Lord begins to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind. But what did you go out to see? A man arrayed in soft garments. Okay, uh, verse 26. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I say to you, much more than a prophet. This is he concerning whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So this is according to Malachi. I think it's chapter 4 verse 5. I'll have to just look at the reference. But anyway, in Malachi, there was a prophecy concerning Elijah who would prepare the way of the Lord. Of course, we know that that full fulfillment will come in Revelation when Elijah will come to strengthen and encourage the believers during the... Um, the great tribulation. But this word has been fulfilled in John the Baptist, who came to prepare the way for the Lord. 
okay? And I say to you in verse 28, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. We have received God's life and we are now in the kingdom. We might be the least in the kingdom of God, but we are the sons of God. We have been regenerated with God's life. Hallelujah. Maybe we're not great prophets, but amen. We are greater than John the Baptist because he wasn't regenerated. The Lord hadn't passed through death and resurrection yet, right? Okay, in verse 9, verse 29, um, it says, And when all the tax collectors and when all the people and the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged that God was righteous since, he had been since they had been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God for themselves since they had not been baptized by him. And Jesus said, To what shall I liken the men of this generation and what are they like? They are like little children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another who say, we have played the flute to you and you did not dance. And we have sung a dirge, dirge sorry, and you did not weep. So here the Lord is likening the Pharisees who rejected John, right, to little children in the marketplace. Him and John, the Lord came to announce the good news of the gospel, but they didn't rejoice at this grace that was given to them to be saved. They played a dirge to them so that they would mourn, that they would weep, that they would have repentance toward God. John and, and the Lord Jesus came to preach repentance, to be baptized, but they did not go through, they would not turn, they would not turn to the Lord. They would not repent, have a turn. Right? That's what repentance means, I believe. Maybe Hector can help us. But I believe repentance is to have a turn, to have a change, to acknowledge that you need to turn, that, they, that there, needs to be, there needs to be a weeping within us, a, a, a great uh, feeling of repenting. Lord, I need to be crucified. I need to be baptized. I need to go through the waters of death. This is what my old man is worth. But yet they would not acknowledge God's righteousness. Like it says in verse 29, they acknowledged that God was righteous, those who were baptized. They acknowledged that God was righteous and that they needed to repent. When the gospel comes to us, we will be those who acknowledge that God is righteous. And that before him, no man will be justified by works, but by faith alone. So we go through the baptism of, of repentance. We go through this baptism of being identified with Christ's death and his resurrection. Because we acknowledge that God is righteous. Yet the Pharisees would not go through with this. So they would not listen to the good news and, and receive this grace to be saved, and they would not mourn and weep and have a repentant heart. Okay, so now in verse 33, the Lord says, For John the Baptist has come neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he is a demon. So John came, and he didn't do according to what was the norm. And so according to them, he is a demon. 
the Lord comes eating and drinking. He comes and he rejoices with those who, who are willing to repent, who are willing to weep. He rejoices with those who rejoice in their salvation. But what is, what, what is he? he? He is made out to be a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Then in verse 35, yet wisdom is justified by all her children. So eventually, the Lord is the real wisdom, right? He is the wisdom of God that has come to us. And now, through our turning to the Lord, repenting, receiving his salvation, being regenerated, we are now the children of God. Praise the Lord. Wisdom will be justified by all her children. So saints, in these three sections, we see how the Lord comes and seemingly they have nothing to do with one another. But when we put them together, we realize, wow, Lord, what is our expectation of you? Lord, you can speak a word. Lord, may we believe in your word. Thank you. You are the compassionate one who, who has compassion on, on, our, on our sorrow, on, on this widow who had lost her only son. But yet, Lord, you have come to give us yourself. Lord, this is our expectation. Your word is really God coming to visit his people. God's word. Oh, Lord Jesus, may we have such an experience, even daily. God has visited me. God has visited his people. And then I believe the Lord will have mercy on us, that we will not be stumbled because of him. Amen. Okay. Brother Hector, you can continue, brother. Man, that was that was very, very, uh, it was very enjoyable to see uh, the Lord in His ministry, how He takes care of the different people, different situations. Um, you know how He took care of the dying slave, and how He took care of the the weeping widow, the pitiful widow, and also how He took care of His forerunner. Um, I think in all of this, and when you look at the details in Luke, um, you cannot help but appreciate the Lord. You cannot help but appreciate this person. Uh, in every situation, when you look at it thoroughly, you realize, um, I'm going to use these words, the Lord is quite sweet. He's quite sweet because he, he, he's saving man. But the way he's saving men, he's not just carrying something out. But when he saves men, he reveals the beauty of who he is. On the one hand, he's man, but on the other hand, he is God. Uh, I don't know how to impress you with this. Did you realize when he was saving, when he was um, speaking, you know, the word from the, from the uh, centurion? Uh, the Lord Jesus is the authority of the universe. And somehow he's willing to come to a house of someone who only has a hundred people under his authority. Why would the Lord care for someone so little when the Lord has big things? He is the highest authority. But yet the Lord in his human humanity went along. 
he just went along to care for this Gentile centurion. But although he was a man, here we see his, um, his humanity willing to go where man was. Uh, I don't know if you appreciated this. The Lord didn't expect the centurion to come to him, but he was willing to go to wherever the centurion was. Yet, with this man, there wasn't just a willing man, but there was a divine attribute. This man could say a word, and the, the slave could be healed. Uh, this is how the Lord ministered. Uh, If I were to ask you, who healed, who healed the slave? Was it God or was it man? <laughs> Have you ever considered this? Who healed the slave? Who ministered to the centurion? Was it God or was it man? Uh, actually, if you look at that, at that section where the slave is being healed, when the centurion told the Lord, don't come to my house, there's no need for that. I recognize you are a man set under authority. Uh, there's no need for you to come to my house. Just say a word. I know what authority is. I recognize that you are the authority of the universe. So just say a word. That's, that's good enough. The Bible, brothers and sisters, says the Lord marveled. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah, Many a time the, uh, in Isaiah, it says, the Lord says, nothing is too marvelous for Jehovah. So who's marveling here? Have you ever realized the Lord Jesus as a man could marvel? How about this? <laughs> he's, he's, a com he's completely a, 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 a perfect man who has hu human virtues, but these human virtues are saturated with the divine attributes. Actually, this is, this is quite amazing. I don't know if maybe, um, I hope somehow you would have a way to, to remember this and that the Lord's salvation is in his human virtues with his divine attributes. So human virtues, but they are saturated with the divine attributes. And then when we come to the widow who had had her uh, husband die and also her only son die, uh, it's quite amazing. Nobody asked the Lord to come. The Lord simply observed the situation and Luke puts in a detail. He says he was moved with compassion. The Lord's inner being, his virtues were proper. He was moved. He was moved with compassion. You know, many of, our, of the situations we find ourselves in, they may really touch us inwardly. They may really touch us inwardly. We may have sympathy maybe for somebody, but typically we don't have much to do. There's not much we can do for them. Uh, well, the Lord on the one hand, he was moved with compassion. You could say that's the human virtue. But because his human virtues were saturated with the divine attributes, he could go to the young man on the, on the coffin that I think the word uses beer. Uh, it's basically a coffin. Uh, he touched it. With the slave, he didn't touch anything. 
with the dying slave, but with the, with the son, the only son of the widow, he touched it and he stopped the funeral procession. And he said to you, young men, I say, rise up. So the Lord not only had the compassion, but he also had the, uh, which is the, the compassion was the uh, human virtues, but also the divine attributes to rise up such a young, uh, the, the, the young man. Actually, brothers and sisters, if we are ever going to cause anybody to rise up in their spiritual life, wherever they may be, it is not just divine, uh, it's not just a divine side, but there's need of a proper human shepherding. There's this, the two together. This is how we minister. How, how are we going to ever cause somebody to, to enjoy the divine life, to rise up, to be spiritually risen up? They actually need the human aspect mingled with the divine aspect. It's not just a giving of life. It's, you know, uh, there, there's this word I like to use. It's called shepherding. You know, on the one hand, we are, we are cherishing somebody, but on the other hand, we are nourishing. The human side can cherish, the divine aspect can nourish. Actually, the more the, the way we take care of anybody spiritually is by uh, it's by this uh, this this way of being the human mingle with the divine, the human virtues saturated with the divine uh, attributes. So so oh. You know, outwardly, there's just a, a story of, a, of a, a widow receiving her son. But actually, Luke was doing his best to show us this person, giving us an appreciation of the Lord. Um, and then with John the Baptist, uh, this was very, very helpful, like Brother Adrian was sharing. This was very helpful to me because many a time I would speak to people on the gospel uh, and many a time people would say uh, they do not believe in the Lord because of something um, that, that he didn't do, you know. I remember vividly uh, a young person, a young, a young gentleman I met on campus. I shared with him the gospel. He said he, uh, his young sister passed away. So he just, he just doesn't understand how the Lord could not save her. But this, this account of John the Baptist is very helpful to us. I feel very helpful to me that, you know, it's a blessing to not be stumbled by what the Lord won't do. Actually, the Lord's word to John strengthened John the Baptist. You know, John was expecting something. This expectation uh, that the Lord would do something actually was not according to God's will. It wasn't according to God's will. So the Lord's word that to John saying, um, blessed is he who is not stumbled because of me, strengthened John to take God's way. It was a, it was a sweet word. John was, Lord, are you going to do something for me? Yes, I was your forerunner. But according to God's will, John was supposed to be a forerunner, not a co-runner. So there the Lord was strengthening John the Baptist 
to stay in God's will. Uh, it's so sweet. It's just so sweet to me. It's like to realize, you know, maybe sometimes we may expect something from the Lord. However, what we expect could take us out of God's will. It could take us out of what the, of the course God had ordained for us. But the Lord's word to John strengthened him to go along with God's way, to stay on God's way. I, it's so sweet to me. It's like the Lord was shepherding John. Anyway, um, so, so that's, that, that's, uh, that's, uh, God, that's a Lord on the one hand ministering. In his ministry, we see his human attribute, uh, human virtues, but these human virtues are not just empty human virtues. They are saturated with the divine attributes. Okay, then this brings us to the last section of chapter seven of John. Um, uh, this section is, uh, is also very sweet and very affectionate. Uh, it's related to um, two people. And if you have a recovery version uh, at the top, it says it's related to the Lord's ministry in forgiving sinners. Okay, verse 36. Now a certain one of the Pharisees asked the Lord to eat with him. And the Lord entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. Actually, it's quite interesting here that the Lord, if you read the rest, we will see as we go on. It's quite interesting that the Lord accepted the invitation. It's quite interesting. Uh, actually, if you look at this, uh, at this portion properly, you will realize the Lord accepted this invitation for a certain purpose. He wasn't just going along with the Pharisee, but he was, um, he accepted the invitation in order to be accessible, to be reachable to, 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 to someone else. We're gonna see shortly the, the, the woman. Okay, so the Lord entered into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table in verse 37. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at, at, the, uh, at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Uh, I would ask you to take note of this word, ointment. Ointment. Luke has many, many details. If you don't pay attention to them, you might, it's very easy to miss. So pay attention to this word. As soon as she heard, oh, the Lord is at the Pharisee's house. Okay. She picked up her, her ointment, her, her flask of ointment. She went there. Um, and in verse 38, she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet affectionately and anointed them with the ointment. Um, I don't know, brothers and sisters, if you, it, what would you do in a home meeting? You, you are hosting some brothers and sisters in your house and some, some person who's known, who has a history, even 
the, the history is well known. The whole city knows this. The whole of whatever city you live in, everybody knows the history of this person, their, their resume. And this person comes and enters the household. And she's crying. She's wiping the feet and wetting them with her, with her tears and kissing them. Oh, this, this would be, I don't know about you, it would be very, very uncomfortable. Actually, it's very difficult for me to, to, to say this, but in Greek, um, the kissing part, she actually, the, oh Lord, I don't know how to portray it, but she did it so many times that it got uncomfortable. It got really uncomfortable that she kept on kissing the Lord's feet. Like, okay, maybe she's going to stop now, but she kept on. Um, so uh, the, the Pharisee, every, and I believe almost everybody, they were very uncomfortable. It was, it was a very difficult situation. Uh, but look at verse 39. But when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said within himself, this man, circle the word, this man. It's a man, <laughs> this man. If he were a prophet, would know who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him because she is a sinner. This is what Simon, the Pharisee, oh, sorry, the Pharisee here was saying. Uh, within himself, he said, uh, this man, if he really were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman this is. Um, you know, uh, I appreciated what Brother Adrian mentioned in verse 16. When the Lord, uh, when the Lord raised up the, 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 the son of that widow, the people said, a great prophet has risen up among us. How about this? The people recognized the Lord was a prophet, but the Pharisee said, if he were a prophet. So the Pharisee really doubted the Lord and even despised him, didn't recognize. Um, and also he, uh, concerning the woman, he said she was a sinner. You know, actually, the Pharisee thought only the woman was the sinner. Uh, actually, we will see when the Lord speaks that according to the Lord's realization, not only was the woman a sinner, but also the Pharisee. The Pharisee. So here we, uh, we see that the Pharisee was despising the Lord and also despising the woman, doubting the Lord whether he was truly a prophet and uh, despising the woman. And verse 40, and Jesus answered. It's quite significant. The Bible says Jesus answered. It doesn't say Jesus said. He actually answered. This is related to him being a God. This is referring to the Lord's divinity. He actually knew what was going through Simon's heart. Uh, earlier on, we saw that the Lord did not entrust himself to man because he knew what was in the heart of man, right? 
And actually here, concerning the Pharisee, the Lord realized, knew that the Pharisee had these thoughts within him. Um, so on the one hand, his man, because the Pharisee said this man, but also because he has, he's divine, he's God, he also knew what was in the heart of, of the Pharisee. Do you see the humanity with the divinity? How the Lord was, uh, was there in, in the Pharisee's house? And the Lord said um, in verse 40, uh, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon said, teacher, say it. And then the Lord went on in verse 41. A certain money lender had two debtors. Do you recognize? Why not three? Why not four? Actually, the Lord was speaking concerning both Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman. Both of them were debtors. Not only was the woman indebted to God's righteousness, but also Simon. Although he was a Pharisee, he may have had a religious standing, but the Lord, both of them, they, they are indebted to him. Okay, a money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. But since they had nothing with which to repay, uh, that word nothing is so touchy. Um, actually, brothers and sisters, all of us, we have nothing with which to repay. We have nothing. Actually, we have nothing. Um, not, not our good works, not our, even our promise to be better. It cannot pay. It cannot pay our, our debt. So they, we had nothing with which to repay the money lender. Actually, this means as far as our human virtues, uh, they are empty. They are without substance. There's nothing. So they had nothing with which to repay. So the Lord graciously forgave them both, both of them, both of them. Oh, wow. I, I think this is quite sweet. Which of them, therefore, I uh, highlight that word, which of them, therefore, that word, therefore, is very important. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Uh, and Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he graciously forgave, uh, forgave the more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Uh, so, so, so far, this story, um, Simon is, he's not quite clear, hasn't realized what's happening. Uh, but the Lord had painted this picture of these two debtors who had nothing to pay, but they were both uh, graciously uh, forgiven. Um, and then the Lord in verse 44, he turns to the woman. He said to Simon, or turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You do not give me water for my feet, 
but she, with her tears, has wet my feet and with her hair has wiped them. Um, this, is, this is the reason why I, was, uh, I mentioned earlier, it's quite significant that the Lord, it's quite to me, it's quite intriguing that the Lord actually accepted the Pharisees' invitation to his house. Because from this, we can see the Pharisees' receiving of the Lord was rather cold. The Pharisee did not have an appreciation of the Lord. His reception was cold. Invited him to the house, but didn't give him any water for his feet. Um, not only did he uh, not give him uh, water for his feet, but this woman, ever since the Lord walked into the, to the house, this woman had done nothing but wet them. Um, not only uh, she was using her tears to wet them and her hair to wipe them. Uh, the hair of a woman is her glory. Uh, it's her uh, it's her expression, her topmost part. I've seen the sisters uh, that when they the outfit is not enough, but also the hair needs to be done. But this this woman was using the best part of her to take care of the lowest part of the Lord. Her topmost part, her glory was being used to take care of the Lord's feet. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to be uh, take care of the Lord's move on the earth today, I just had a realization from this section. We need to give the Lord our best part. How will the Lord move on the earth today? How will he carry out his economy, his ministry on the earth? To me, it, it's just so sweet that this woman would, she's, she's an example. I like those words when the Lord says, do you see this woman? That means she's a pattern. For the Lord's move on the earth today in carrying out his economy, there's need of such a, a love. Um, oh Lord, our hair, our glory, the topmost we have. Um, you know, we need to value the Lord to such an extent that we don't give him the leftovers, but we give him our best. I'm really touched by this. What kind of a reception does the Lord have with us? Is it one that's cold, not even water for his refreshment? Or are we going to give him the topmost? I'm just so touched by this woman. It's, it's such a... Uh, Anyway, uh, because of time, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm really touched by her, her example, her pattern. The Lord asks us, do you see this woman? Ever since I entered the house, you did not give me water for my feet. But she, with her tears, with what she had, she had tears for the Lord's feet. Her hair for the Lord's move on the earth. I'm just so impressed. It, the Lord doesn't want us to, um, you know, uh, in Revelation, uh, the Lord speaks to the church in Philadelphia. 
he says, you have, a, you have little power. But with the power that the church had, the Lord honored. It's not the amount of power, but that all of it was spent on him. This is, this is, the, kind of, uh, this is the kind of people the Lord needs today to move with. Um, okay. Um, okay. Verse 45. Uh, you did not give me a kiss. But she, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Not only kissing them, but affectionately. Oh, Lord Jesus. Uh, anyway, verse 46. You did not anoint my head with oil. Notice here the word is oil. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. There's a difference between oil and ointment. Typically, an ointment would have a base of oil, but on top of the oil, there would be more things compounded into it um, to make it more fragrant. Uh, it could be spices. It could be herbs. Notice Simon did not give the Lord even the most basic of things, even the even just oil, even if it had no extra things compounded in. But this woman, her estimation of the Lord, her treasuring the Lord, to her, the Lord was valuable. So she not only gave the Lord oil, but she gave the Lord ointment. Oh, I hope we would have such a, uh, an outpouring to the Lord. Lord, I, I, I have the... Uh, I, I have a little house, but Lord, I'd like to pour it out to you. I, I, I can, you know, wh whatever, whatever we have, it, it's not the amount. The Lord really, I'm just, I'm just encouraged by this, this pattern of this lady uh, who was pouring out whatever she had, pouring out on the Lord because she valued the Lord. To her, the Lord was, was precious. Anyway, I hope the Lord would be precious to us. Um, anyway, um, so, so here she anointed the Lord. And then in verse 47, the Lord says, For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Because she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, he loves little. Um, so actually this verse, I used to struggle with this verse because it says her sins, which are many are forgiven because she loves much. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Her sins are forgiven because she loved much. I used to think our love for the Lord is the basis for our being forgiven of our sins. Actually, this is not true. Her love is proof that she had been forgiven. Her love for the Lord is proof of her being forgiven. Uh, actually, the basis of our experiencing the Lord's forgiveness is not our love, but our faith. 
Uh, for us to see this, it, we have to jump to uh, um, verse 50. Verse 50 helps us to see the sequence. In verse 50, it says, but he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. So we see here that what saved the Lord, what saved the woman uh, was her faith. And because she believed in the Lord, her sins were forgiven. And when her sins were forgiven, she loved much. Do you see the sequence? It was faith. Because she believed in the Lord, her sins were forgiven. And the forgiveness of her sins caused her to love the Lord. And the love of the Lord, out of her love for the Lord, she could live a life in peace. Verse 50 says, go in peace. Do you see this? So the sequence is faith. Out of our faith, we experience the forgiveness of sins. And from the forgiveness of sins, our love for the Lord rises. Our appreciation for what the Lord has done for us rises and we love him. And from this love, we can begin to live a life of peace. Actually, brothers and sisters, this is the Christian life. This is the Christian life. It begins with our faith. But not only does it stop there, when we believe in the Lord, we have our sins forgiven. And out of the forgiveness of our sins, our love for the Lord rises. Um, you know, many a time uh, in, in, in speaking to a lot of people, it's quite easy to find. Uh, maybe, I, maybe that's maybe in the country I live in. It's quite easy to find people who believe in the Lord. But actually, not, mo not many of them love the Lord. Uh, many people might say they believe, but when you ask about love, there may not be that much love for the Lord. Actually, here, this progression should, is the proper experience of a Christian. Believing, having our sins forgiven, and loving the Lord. And out of our, after loving the Lord, after experiencing such a love for the Lord, we can be those who live in peace. Uh, the woman came in, a sinner. She left out one who was, who was in peace. Have you ever realized this? This, this, is, this, is our, this is our Savior. This is the man Savior who was caring, carrying out his ministry, and his ministry is in his human virtues. And these virtues are saturated with the divine attributes. Um, I think because of time, I, I will stop here so that we, we can have an opportunity to share. Amen. I hope we would develop this love for the Lord.